This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call us, text us to 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet us at Double Tap Canada and find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favorite Double Tappers. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, by with you again. I've got Mark Afalalalalo. He's here somewhere. Is he there? Oh, he's there. I'm here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us, Mark. It's really nice of you to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. He literally flew into the studio about a second ago. Uh, but he's here. That's the important thing. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Uh, Sean Priest is, as always, in his shed in Manchester, England. How are you, Sean Priest? I'm early, sir. As ever, I was oh. here very early before Mark uh, late appeared. Tardiness. I you mean, there's I wish, no excuse for it. You know what I wish? I wish that we could <laughs> hit record about six minutes before the show starts and give the audience a peek as to what really happens leading up to the start of the show. All the mess-ups, all the technical difficulties, all the people skating in with a second to go before recording, (laughs) because I find it hilarious, so I think other people might find it as funny. Yeah, I have to say, it also helps uh, if you hit record before you start the show. I I found this. It is, it, it is beneficial. I think. I think it definitely, uh, it it definitely makes things a bit better. Yeah, I, think so. I, I feel that. Yeah, I do. Anyway, <laughs> lots to talk about this week. Uh, oh my goodness, we've got so much to talk about. Samsung putting out a big announcement this week on brand new products. Four new products, two new phones, and two new smartwatches. We're going to get into that this week as well. Uh, we've uh, also got lots of your comments coming in. Uh, we start actually with one of those from Billy Burrell who got in touch. I haven't heard from Billy in a while. How are you doing, Billy? Uh, he says, Hello, Stephen, Sean, and Mark. After listening to the show as usual, I feel I should send an email. Uh-oh. Uh-oh um, yes. Billy says, You mentioned Sean's demo review on USBs last week and then said there wasn't time to include it and uh, it hasn't been for weeks. Now, this type of item is one of the main reasons I listen to shows such as yours, as they can be very informative, and I'm sure I'm not the only listener that feels this way. Sean's demos are also always concise and easy to follow, and your show could benefit by their inclusion. As Stephen likes to say, just putting it out there. All the best, Billy Burrell. God bless you, Billy. Oh, you you forgot Billy. the PS. You forgot the PS on that one. Oh, PS, yeah. I went on a speed dating night once, and one woman asked, do you have any pets? Yes, I replied, I have a goldfish. Any hobbies, she asked. Well, he really likes swimming, I said. <laughs> I thought you'd have a sound of like a car crash or something. About it. <laughs> actually, I think we should just give that one to him. Uh, uh, that was good. good one, actually. Yeah, quite Thanks, good one. Billy. Yeah, I agree um, with Billy. I think there should be more, more of Sean's, I don't know, Sean's shed? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I mean, I am all for giving Sean more work. Uh, so, you know, I think oh. this is a good idea. In fact, actually, Mark, this means we could, you know, sit back a bit. We could Wait chill a, a bit. Hang go on. with some other work. Yeah, I like that. Do we have to pay him? Uh, well, I think so. No, he's okay, got the shed. He's so got the shed. Him, the shed is, more work. And, the sh- the and shed is paid off. Back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I like it. Okay, cool. Perfect. Let's let him. Uh, don't tell him, okay? No, exactly. We'll, we'll save no, that he, for another day. He, he never listens anyway, so it's fine. Exactly. Thanks, Billy. Much appreciated. Please email again. We are definitely going to get to that feature this week, though. Um, primarily because I saw a story last week uh, that we didn't get to either. Um, all because we decided to talk about a, a robot called Curly uh, that was uh, taking the curling world by storm. I've got it. You know, it's really important to me, Billy, that we uh, cover all audiences here on Double Tap Canada. And I feel that the curling community... Definitely needed yeah. that story. They're overlooked, often overlooked. Well, exactly. Who else is? Who else right now on a show is talking about curling? Let's be honest about it. Nobody's talking about curling. We are. So there. You're welcome. Now, now insert the car crash or the sound effect. <laughs> there you go. Is that there the is that the only sound effect you have? That's the only. Well, that one and the applause. That's that's all. I've got I've got only so many buttons here. Uh, you see, we so need to well. work on them. Yeah, I we understand. need more. I understand. Um, oh, 
dear. Um, yeah, so uh, I've got to say, guys, look, you know, I'm a bit tired this week. This is the problem this week. I'm a bit tired because Euro Truck Simulator is taking over my life. I, I, I am having so much fun in this game. Oh, every I, week. And you know is what this going to be a new segment? I think it is. Well, it's feeling that way. Uh, I've got to tell you, I went out this week, spent some cash. Got to, I can't say it too loud because, you know, Mrs. Scott's next door and, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> that's all we can say on that one. Yeah, leave it. Um, but yeah, so I got myself a computer. Now, I will say, that I didn't go and buy... Don't just say it really quickly, like then no one knows what you're talking about. A computer. We know you bought yourself a brand new top-of-the-range no, PC, hang on. sir. Hang on. It's not that... Well, it, okay, it is top-of-the-line, all that is. But of course it, is. it was, again, you know, if you remember, guys, back to the time when I bought my iPod from Amazon, um, it Ridiculous. was a renewed product. Mm-hmm. You know, so it had been uh, saved from landfill... And I paid top dollar for it, um, <laughs> which was ridiculous. Uh, but I, I did get a note in there that said I was a hero as a result of, of buying this. And I feel I'm a hero again because I bought a, a refurbished computer. It had come back to the store and I purchased it as I wasn't buying new. So no trees were, you know, knocked down to make the computer, you know, however they build them. Um, so Not out of wood, last time I, I checked. <laughs> I've got a story about that as well, actually, um, about trees. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, but yes, this one is an HP Omen 25L. And it is, uh, it's is—it's got an AMD Ryzen 7 in it. It's got a 16 gig RAM, a terabyte SSD, and it's got an, an NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3060 graphics Ooh. card. So I'm kind of chuffed about this. And I got it for uh, just over £1,000. Um, but other than that, how did you drive that home? How did you get that home with you? Well, the funny thing is, right, so the guy brings the box out and he says to me, are you going to be okay to lift that? Because, of course, I have my cane in my left hand, so I have to walk with my cane. <laughs> so I'm like, has it got a handle on it? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, just give me the end of the handle. So I'm just, you know, carrying it out of the place, looking as if I've just stolen it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was it. So I just, I, I got a taxi home. I wasn't, I'm, sure I'm not a savage. Handle? I never trust those I handles. didn't trust the handle. But, you know, in saying that, it was an HP Omen and the box was good. Wasn't it wasn't Apple good, but it was good. What did they? Uh, how long was that taxi ride? <laughs> that was like a, quite a journey. I know where you live. I know where you live in relation to anything that you know might have a computer, and yes. it's, um, <laughs> on, it's not on. that close. No, it's not. No. What about the previous computer that you bought, which was even higher end than this one, and you took back? It was too heavy for him. It was too heavy and too loud. It was. That's right. I couldn't couldn't carry it back to the store. Um, no, this one, uh, I really wanted to go for AMD. The problem was, and, and you know this, Mark, because you've got the Dell Alienware there, which is the same one I had, but you've got the AMD version. I do, yeah. I had the Intel version, which was also a desk fan uh, that, that just basically blew hot air at you all day and made a lot of noise. It was like sitting next to the engine of a Boeing 747. And it just wasn't very productive for me. Now, I don't know about this one yet. I haven't plugged it in yet. I know I'm useless. I never... T- t- it always takes ages for me to get set up. I've got to have everything in its order, in its place. You can't just throw machines I'm into this mix. Uh, especially this mix. is a mess. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I will see what it's like with the AMD. But from what you've told me, Mark, the AMD, you don't get any of that racket. You don't get any of that hassle. No, I mean, uh, this, I mean, it, it definitely the fan turns on, but it's not loud and it's not blowing hot air at my feet, um, which, I, you know, would be a nice feature. I definitely would pay <laughs> extra for that one, by the yeah. way. Um, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's quite a good computer. It's a good machine. Yeah, I must admit, I, I'm intrigued to try. I've not had an AMD since I had an AMD Athlon back in, I don't know, early 2000s, probably. That was the last time I ever went, went yeah. near AMD. And after that, it was always Intel. But I just think, you know, M1 has really turned me away from Intel. And I think I just want to see what else is out there. So hence why I'm going down this route. Uh, so we shall see how it goes. But yes, my, um, <clears throat> my gaming has uh, taken over my life a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm dragging everyone into it. I know, it's ridiculous. In fact, we even did a meeting yesterday about this show whilst I was driving the truck. I mean... Oh, yeah, and we couldn't tell. It was like, Stephen, yeah, I'm just parking up. It's like you were so distracted. I was looking for a petrol station, guys. I mean, come on, you know, we're running running a fuel over here. Sorry, gas station. 
Sorry, Mark, I'll do it properly for you. Gas station, there we go. Uh, Right, look, lots to talk about on the show this week. We're going to get into the Samsung Unpacked event and uh, also a big story this week that everyone's talking about. We're going to talk about it too. Apple are scanning iPhones for child sex abuse images. It's a big topic of discussion. What do you think about it? We'll ask for your views. We'll get Sean and Mark's views on it in uh, the next segment here on Double Tap Canada. If you love Double Tap Canada, why not check out Double Tap TV with Stephen Scott and Mark Aflalo every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. The latest tech news, hands-on reviews, exclusive interviews, accessible to all. Find out more at ami.ca slash Double Tap. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers, want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. Yeah, and you know what? Let's, let's talk about some tech for a change because we oh, do we have to? I know. It's just, I know it's so against our principles and stuff, but <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about some tech. Samsung and their unpacked event. Uh, anyone excited by this? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm... I am excited by the folding devices because they bring me back to yesteryear of my clamshell Motorola razors yes. and, and devices of the past. So I'm I'm always interested in to see how they innovate and what they're going to do and how they're going to make them work. Um, but I've never been a fan of the physical devices. They feel a little bit bulkier in my hand than I than I would like. I mean, even to be perfectly honest, guys, my iPhone Pro Max <gasps> is big. Steady. It's a big phone mm-hmm. and uh and i think next time around i might go i might go smaller so i don't i don't but uh, so when it comes to the samsung devices it's interesting because you get that that viewing space with the smaller form factor but you get that bulk with it well let's let's um talk about what they've actually announced because they've announced the samsung galaxy z fold 3 catchy and the z flip 3 uh, these are the new phones. So you've got the Fold, which kind of folds out like a book, I guess, and the Flip, which is more like your classic clamshell. And uh, these are definitely classed as premium. The question is, I remember when the Fold came out last time round, there was the issue, Mark, with the the bit in the middle, you know, when you actually folded it over. It didn't... The fold the hinge. It, it, yeah, kind of... It kind <laughs> Not of almost the like a, behind the hinge. It was like a book with something in it. You know, yeah. it just wasn't closing properly. Is that still the case? Do we know? No, they fixed that in the second, in the in kind of, you know, they recalled the original ones that had the problem. I mean, there were two issues. There was the hinge, and there was stuff getting stu- uh, caught behind it. And there was people ripping the the plastic off the oh, screen. Yes, that's right. Thinking yeah. that it was a screen protector of some kind. <laughs> Excuse me. But it, but it wasn't a screen protector. It was actually just part of the screen. But because it didn't go edge to edge, people thought, oh, this must be some kind of protection that I could take off the device. And unfortunately, that is uh, that was not the case. So those were two issues that kind of plagued that device. And reviewers caught it before even consumers had them in their hands. I think a couple consumer devices made it out into people's hands, but not not so many that they recalled it and they came back with a new hinge and a new screen protector that went edge to edge with a warning on it saying, do not peel this layer off. It is not meant to come off. And I think that from that point forward, the complaining stopped and people started embracing the actual design. Well, this new design, uh, 7.6-inch Infinity Flex display, and the first-ever S Pen support on a foldable device as well. I actually thought this would have been in the previous version, but no, apparently not. Uh, So, yes, you now have a larger cover screen, uh, which is uh, built for quick use on the go. That is, of course, on the front of the device when you fold it back over. It was a bit small and basic, I think, before, but they've increased that a little bit. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one from a... I mean, I always go back to this point about these devices, Sean, the accessibility side. It's, it's going to be accessible, but we've just never had our hands on this device or, or this kind of device to know how something like Android TalkBack, for example, would work. I mean, I imagine if you're low vision and you use large text and you use uh, magnification, it's going to be great. Yeah, for low vision, fantastic. I mean, you're doubling your display size there so fantastic but yeah look, i can't see why there would be a problem with talkback on something like this because you know you're, you're it's either a full one screen or um i believe you can use it as two separate screens as well either way you're only accessing one screen at a time so i can't see why there would be a problem but like you said i mean these are premium 
items. They're so premium, I'm, I'm no chance I'm going to ever get my hands on one anytime soon uh, to test this out. But yeah, they're interesting. And look, I, I think these are exciting because I'm watching them evolve. As Mark said, the first one was a bit of a disaster. But yeah. the second one, uh, I know a few people actually who's bought them and, and like them. Um, and the Z, the Z Flip um, actually... A lot of people like them. They got some quite nice reviews, so I'm interested to see how they go. I'm, I think it's still too early for me to jump in on anything like this, especially at that price point. Um, but I'm interested by the S Pen support because previously, with the the fold, there was it wasn't a flat surface. There was that crinkle in the middle where that hinge was. Yes. I mean, for me, it it feel like oh maybe this would put me off using it. It would feel like the screen was dirty or uneven or whatever but apparently it's something you get used to but with s pen support you think that would be more of an issue so maybe maybe the screen is a lot more even now i don't know well one of the things i noticed in some of the press images is that the fold itself down the middle does not seem as pronounced as it did on the previous generation that's that's kind of one takeaway number two is it's funny because they're almost selling this in their marketing as a two-screen device, kind of like the, 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 the Surface Duo, where you can watch something on the top part, take notes on the bottom, or use the bottom as a keyboard, yet you don't have that much screen real estate when they're separate. They really are kind of narrow and long. And the other thing I notice is that there's no place to actually put that S Pen. It's not like the note where it goes in the device. The S Pen is fairly, you know, pen-like, like round, and it doesn't go anywhere. So you're going to, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to lose this. Always a terrible idea. When they don't put somewhere to put these styluses, it's always a terrible, that's the first thing that critics and reviewers come up with. I'm going to lose this, you know? Stick it behind the hinge. There's enough room, apparently. Well, you think what they do is they have they have a, a an S Pen Fold Edition case. <laughs> oh, of course they it. do. Yeah, that of makes course it they super do. bulky. And here's the funny thing: is in one of their marketing videos that I have in front of me now, uh, we can we can tweet this out. Is they're they're showing a tablet that supports the S Pen, and they're showing the the Galaxy Fold Three on the right side, and the writing and the lag on the Galaxy Fold is fairly pronounced, whereas on the tablet it's like it's virtually unpronounced. Like you, you're it's like writing with pen on paper mm. so their own marketing material is giving you an excuse not to use it on the on the fold there's also <laughs> uh, two new watches out as well galaxy watch 4 galaxy watch 4 classic and this is the one that we've been waiting on i think because uh from a low vision blind person's perspective you know really the only smart watch out there to think about seriously if you want a really good decent experience across the board is the fitbit <laughs> it's, of course, the Fitbit, yeah, absolutely, is the Apple Watch, of course, right? So, you know, it's always been that way. Could this change that? And uh, I say that because this is the first time that uh, this is a Wear OS powered by Samsung Watch, built with Google and equipped with One UI Watch, which is Samsung's most intuitive user interface yet, says Samsung. Uh, the Galaxy Watch 4 series is bolstered with advanced hardware performance and delivers a more seamless and connected user experience than ever before. Yeah, well, all that's marketing nonsense, but let's see what it really is like. Once we get our hands on it, we can actually check this out. I think the key thing here is going to be how the processor is, how good the processor is inside these. And there's been lots of talk about some really decent processor going into this. That's the key for accessibility, Sean. It's, it's, it, that's how you get the screen reader to keep up with everything else. That's what we've seen on the Apple Watch, because many of us will remember from the first iterations mm. of the Apple Watch how bad accessibility was. Um, and hopefully that will improve uh, on these devices. Well, I hope so. Yeah, the look, the look and feel of this watch is definitely... Um, how do I say this? More watch-like. I mean, it's a nice Circular. round face. Yeah. It's not very thick. It's not very bulky. It's got a nice strap that you can remove, so you will be able to change your watch bands for those of you who uh, like changing things up with style. Um, it's a, quite a beautiful design, to be perfectly honest. It's got a it's, you know, 5 ATM rating for waterproof. Um, you know, 40 millimeter aluminum kind of back casing and, and you know, brushed kind of black aluminum design with buttons on both sides. It's it's quite sexy. I, I got to see what Ooh. the software is like, though. Steady. Yeah, who cares what it looks like? I don't care. Who cares about the design? <laughs> if it takes five seconds to read what's on the screen when you do a gesture, I don't care. And this round thing, right? Everyone wants the round watch face. Why is that actually better when it comes down to a smart watch? Is it better to be round I don't, or I don't square? Think so. 
I think no, Square I gives so, you more real estate, right? Yeah, exactly. Also, you, you've got text that just doesn't work because the text isn't wrapping, at least from what I've seen from previous versions of these watches, the text doesn't wrap around the circular. It, it's kind of cut off at the top. So if you're reading something, it's like you're reading it as a square, but it's cut off at the edges. There's no point in that. Yes, pointless. Ridiculous. We've destroyed that one. Well done. No, look, this is going to be, it is going to be interesting because this is the first time, as you said, with this new operating system. And um, yeah, I am actually excited by this. I, I would really like to try this one out because we do need more options than just the Apple Watch. And by the way, can I say the Apple Watch in the last update, if I let my battery run out and then charge it up again, when it turns on, it takes about 10 minutes for voiceover to sort itself out and actually really? be usable. There's oh. something going on. I can turn it off and on and it's fine. But if I let the battery run out, it's so sluggish. Well, so don't let the on. battery run out. Come oh, on, Sean. Sorry. All right. Yeah, I know. Uh, listen, uh, we've got to talk about this because it's been a big subject uh, across social media. Lots of people talking about it in the news. Uh, it's not usual to hear tech stories discussed in uh, mainstream media, everyday media, if you like, um, as widely as this particular one has, but I think you'll understand why. Uh, a new feature has been announced by Apple which has provoked controversy as scientists are warning it could lead to government surveillance of phones and laptops. This is where Apple can automatically scan iPhones and uh, identify those devices if they contain photos featuring child sexual abuse before those images are uploaded to iCloud. Now, the story is it's part of a range of child protection features launching later this year in the US through updates to iOS 15 and iPadOS and will compare the images on users' devices to a database of known uh, abuse images. Now, if a match is found, Apple says it will report the incident to the US National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's not clear which other national authorities the company will contact outside of the US, nor whether the features will be available outside of the US. Among the other features announced uh, by Apple are a move to scan end-to-end -end encrypted messages on behalf of parents to identify when a child receives or sends a sexually explicit photo, offering them helpful resources and reassuring the children that it is okay if they do not want to view the photo. Well, as you can imagine, the announcement has provoked a lot of concern from a number of people. I want to get you guys uh, your takes on all of this, and then I'll give you some of the comments from some of those who are concerned about this. Mark, what do you think of this story? I, listen, on the surface, the first time I heard this, I, I talked about it with my wife, and I'm, of course, all for the 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 concept behind it and the reason behind it. Obviously, as a parent of two young children, this is always a concern. Wondering, you know, constantly telling them don't don't send pictures to anybody, don't accept pictures from anybody, watch what you're talking about, try to figure out, don't talk to people you don't know. Um, so I completely get it. I understand where they're coming from. However, I also you know read the news and I understand from the privacy point of view. On the surface, the way Apple initially explained it when it first was announced last week um, seemed like there was a lot of potential for this to be exploited by people and, and a way for people to come in and say, hey, uh, give me your data. And, you know, I, I you know, it, it kind of reminds me of a couple events in the past where there were not terrorist attacks, but like school shootings or or, you know, as someone who, who you know, went out in a shooting spree and then killed themselves. And and Apple was petitioned to try and get the phone unlocked. And they uh, it was a lot of resistance and they needed a court order. And it seemed kind of like we're going back in that vein where we're having this argument about what is right and what isn't right. And I think that, you know, I'll let you explain what the people who are opposing it have issue with. And then we can talk about how the services actually work and break it down, because there's actually three separate things here. And I think people were lumping them all together. And that's why a lot of the concern was raised. Yeah, there are two people in particular who've been voicing concern about this. Ross Anderson, Professor of Engineering at the University of Cambridge in the UK, and Matthew Green, Associate Professor of uh, Cryptography at John's Hopkins University. Professor Anderson describes the idea as absolutely appalling. Uh, he's talking to the Financial Times in this article, warning it is uh, going to lead to uh, distributed bulk surveillance of our phones and laptops. And Dr. Green, who announced uh, the new program before Apple did, uh, and indeed made a statement on it, warned on Twitter, regardless of what Apple's long-term plans are, they've sent a very clear signal. In their very influential opinion, it is safe to build systems that scan users' phones for prohibited content. Whether they turn out to be right or wrong on that point hardly matters. This will break the dam. Governments will demand it from everyone. And by the time we find out 
uh, that it was a mistake, it will be too late, way too late, Dr. Green says. Um, Sean, what are you on this? Well, those statements are utter nonsense, for one thing. Um, okay, so <laughs> I hate this slippery slope argument because it's just not valid. It, it doesn't saying, well, what could this lead to? Who cares what it could lead to? It matters what the actual aim of it is now and what we're prepared to accept now. And the point of this is that this is a problem. This They call it CSAM, the child sexual abuse material. This is a major problem on lots of services, on Facebook, on whatever it may be, right? It's an issue. And the fact, like you said, Mark, when you got to tell your children, you know, not to accept things and be careful out there, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous that you got to tell your children about this stuff. And the amount of uh, the the amount of potential attacks that, that children experience online is absolutely disgusting. And I'm sorry if you want to use social media or something like that, then social media has a responsibility. Now. Yeah. They do check, they do run services like this already. Google, some Microsoft services, Facebook. All, they, all social media sites have some kind of element of this to try and prohibit yes. the use of their networks to proliferate, you know, sexual abuse, sex trafficking. It exists already. This isn't something new. It's just Apple finding a new way to implement it that's going to help us and try to prevent it. And they're doing it on device. All those other services do it on their server side. This is the first time we're seeing something like this actually built in to your operating system of your smartphone or whatever it may be. In this case, the iPhone. Right? I, I just my take on this is I I don't think the slippery slope argument is nonsense, because what I would say is I agree with what Apple are doing. And there are a number of people who've been saying that online and then people jump on top of them saying, oh, you know, if Apple created a nuclear bomb, we'd, we'd find an excuse and say, oh, well, that's good, but Apple have done that and only Apple could build a nuclear bomb and it would be okay. Um, of course, that's not the case. But the point is, I don't think the ideas behind this are in any way nefarious at all. It's quite the opposite, in fact. It's not what happens today that's the problem. It is what happens tomorrow. You know, no. everything, mission creep is a dangerous thing. Yeah, and you've got to yeah, be careful yeah, yeah. with that. Let me, let me explain what these services do, and then you could tell me if you still believe that argument. I, I'm okay? not concerned about the services. I'm concerned about what other companies no. would do with this no, kind of on, technology. Hang on. Take a listen, okay? With messages, okay? If you are part of a family, so if you are you have that family service enabled and you have children, um, what it does is it's going to notify the second someone that has a, a photo or something, machine learning, so on the device, no human being is going to actually see that other than the person who could potentially actually view that content. There's going to be a warning that's going to say, maybe you shouldn't look at this, ask your parents, okay? And it's blurred and, out. Yeah. And it's blurred out. It's going to automatically blur it out. Again, no human being is touching this. No one's intercepting your messages. No one's unencrypting things. It's just using algorithms to detect, you know, someone's penis, okay? Or, or someone's breasts, okay? Something like that. They're going to blur that out. And they're also going to send a notification to the family owner. So you, me, Sean, and say, listen, your child may be looking at something sensitive. Maybe you should communicate with them safely, and it's going to give you resources to do that. That's where that ends. That's where it ends in messages. So is there anything there that you feel could lead down any slippery slope, Stephen? Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> because it's not Apple I'm concerned about. It's not the services Apple provide that I'm concerned about. You know, the internet was set up to be something that was meant to be a communication network and it was meant to be a way of transferring information. And look what it's become. It's become a mishmash of all kinds of horrific things, this being part of it. You know, good things, good intentions can lead to bad decisions. But what bad, bad, what bad decisions can come of this? Of this particular one feature, forget about the other two, let's talk about the messages. There, I don't see any hole in this plan. Nope. There's no human being interacting. All it's doing is it's providing an extra step of warning and an extra step of security that notifies the parents, hey, something might be going on. You have the choice to say, okay, no, I, I want my child to see that nudie pic. Yeah. You know, you have that you have that choice as a parent to do that. But you're already opting into a family. You're saying that your children are underage. And as a result, you you could be restricting the content they have access to. I'm sure that you're going to be able to turn this feature on and off if you're part of a family. Yes. I can't see any hole or any way that any other company or even a government can say, oh, my God, we need access to that. They, they can't. That, that's there's a clear 
clear start and end to what this particular message of service is done. Now, I have a differing opinion when it comes to the other one, but I'm trying to, you know, this is why I'm picking it apart because people aren't picking it apart. They're not looking at, okay, let's look at this one service. Okay, that one's good. Let's move on to the next one. Mm. So so tell me, where is that hole? Well, I will say this. The criticism has not been universal. John Clark is the president and chief executive of uh, the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. He said, we know this crime can only be combated if we are steadfast in our dedication to protecting children. We can only do this because technology partners like Apple step up and make their dedication known. And others who have praised it include uh, Professor Mimi Belair, a computer scientist at the University of California, San Diego, uh, Stephen Balcom, the chief executive of the Family Online Safety Institute, and the former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder. Final word to Apple on this, who stress that the detection system is built with users' privacy in mind so that it can only work to identify abuse images such as those collected by the MC. Uh, MEC and will do so on the user's devices before the image is uploaded to iCloud. Be interesting okay, to our see, audience think about on. that. But that's a different service. That's what I'm saying here. Yeah, is that there are different things. That is re- that one in particular. What he's talking about there is iCloud photo scanning system. Mm. Okay, and what this does is that if you are subscribed to iCloud Photos, meaning you're allowing your photos to be uploaded to a server, they are going to be able to scan those photos using the same AI methods that they might use on the messages side of things, and they're going to be able to compare it to a database, the CSAM, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Database. It's a nonprofit organization, and they have a tool called PhotoDNA that Microsoft built that is able to detect certain things. If they do detect something there, then they can report that. Again, totally separate to the messaging element of things. And this is something that Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and many other companies are doing already. And they're doing it only when that photo gets off that device, because the second that you allow that photo to leave your device, you could potentially be doing something harmful. And well, Apple has done nothing on this front until now. So they're using the image matching technology to find that exploitation and hopefully avoid it. So again, two different things, and I get the argument against this one, because this one's a little bit questionable in terms of that photo leaving your device. The second you get it up in iCloud, you can't necessarily control where that gets to. All that you have behind it is your password and and whatever methods you may have implemented on your own decision to let that image go up there. What the? Oh, right. Now, well, uh, we're moving on. We're moving on, guys, because, you know, Billy will be back in touch if we don't get Sean's USB feature <laughs> back out. I guarantee you uh, he'll be in touch. Uh, but, look, stick around. We've got lots more to talk about. Uh, also, big news from Google this week as well. And, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, getting more of your feedback. Keep that feedback coming. Details coming up. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. This is Double Tap Canada. Now back to the show. Yeah, let's get into it and uh, move along swiftly from that previous conversation because you know what? It's a very interesting conversation. But why? Well, <laughs> no, it's just I, 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 I'm really intrigued to hear. I don't know enough about these things. That's the God's honest truth about it. And I just feel. Um, when it comes to all of this technology, I, I get where you're coming from, and I know you can pick it all apart, and you can say, "Well, you know, you know what we see here, it all looks fine, and everything seems great. It's always fine until it goes wrong, and that's the problem. Until it goes that's wrong, the until problem. it goes wrong, yeah. Then but then you're, it's too late. And that's exactly no, it's not too late. that's it's exactly what Doctor Green is saying. It's never and too you, late. Yeah, that's right. Because in history, it. nothing's ever gone wrong no, ever. No, 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 no. Okay, let's let's not go. <laughs> I mean, no. come on. This is you a know. really it's a really difficult subject to even broach, isn't it? Because uh, well, know. exactly. Because the problem is, as soon as you broach it, you either you fall into a camp. Especially these days, you fall into yeah. a camp, and I'm, I, I don't fall into a camp on this one. I honestly have no. I, I agree with what Apple are doing. I absolutely agree with what Apple are doing to protect children and families and all of that. I think that is absolutely the right thing. Um, but I do worry about what happens next with all of this. It's not what Apple are doing today that bothers me. Don't worry about it's it. It's what other happens. companies... Well, then it's too late, you see. That's no, the it's never too late. No, 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 no. When they announce that they're, now they're they're searching for your political memes or or whatever, scanning your messages to see which, you know, if you're left or right or woke or not, whatever it may be, when they announce that, then we stand up and say, no, we're not having late. that. It's not the way. It's never too late. You say, no, we won't stand for that. When it's something like this, which is protecting people, absolutely. In fact, I don't think it goes far enough. I don't think, because you can opt, if you're not using iCloud Photos, 
then it's not being scanned. I, I don't mind. Scan all my photos. I do not care. It should go further, in my opinion. Oof. Okay. All right. Well, you can, <laughs> be, the, the you can be the... Yeah, exactly. Was like, okay, well, tell you what, uh, Mark, can you, can you log into Sean's computer and have a look at his internet history? <laughs> no problem. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's talk about Google this week. Uh, going after Ring with new Nest home security cameras and a video doorbell. Uh, he has some new uh, features to come in some new hardware as well. Um, it feels like it's been, uh, you know, at least a minute since Google released a smart home security camera or doorbell. Uh, the uh, Nest Cam launched in 2017 with indoor and outdoor versions. The Nest Hello doorbell followed in 2018. Back then, uh, this is one thing which I must admit the Ring doesn't have that I wish it did, is that person identifying feature, um, which is, I think, a great feature, actually, but uh, something that you just don't get in the Ring doorbell. I did see, though, actually, the Ring doorbell did get an update this week. I don't know if you've seen this, Mark, that the Ring doorbell now has the feature where you can leave messages. Uh, so when someone presses the doorbell, it c- you can actually relay a message to the person at the that. door. Cool. It is so cool. And today I used it for the first time. Someone came to the door, pressed the doorbell, and uh, the voice, it's, it's, it's just an, uh, an AI voice that says, uh, please hold, we'll be right there, you know, something like that. You know, it's ridiculous, but it's, <laughs> and, you know, it's so bizarre uh, in the middle of Scotland getting that screamed at you in an American <laughs> accent. But, yeah, a new uh, Nest doorbell is coming. Um going up against the likes of Arlo and Ring as well. Uh, For starters, you get uh, four smart alerts that will identify packages, people and vehicles in this one, as well as the option to create specific activity zones. I guess that's good if you've got like a driveway or you've got, you know, kids running about one side of the house or whatever. Uh, Google is harnessing the power of a new on-device machine learning chip to offer more detailed recognition than the older Nest Hello, which could recognise people and familiar faces. You'll also get more generous history and storage, uh, and also all kinds of other stuff. Battery style, uh, battery power is also uh, important as well. Uh, there is a built-in rechargeable battery. Um, you get all kinds of other accessories with it as well, so that's uh, kind of cool. You can still get the original Nest Hello, though. It's not gone away. Uh, Nest Cam as well is coming out, uh, which has been around, uh, but this is the first battery-powered indoor-outdoor camera option. Uh, like the doorbell, Nest Cams come with a new ML chip, powering activity zones and notification for people, animals, and vehicles. It's available in a white hue called snow. Don't they all Ugh, come in white? Just white. Just yeah, exactly. White. And it's got the uh, rechargeable battery. Uh, you can also plug it in or connect via a wire as well if you prefer to skip the uh, charging routine. Uh, the cameras on these things, Mark, uh, generally, the you, I know you've tried a couple of different ones. Um, is it the ring that you've got at the minute? No, I actually have the Logitech Circle View doorbell, oh, right, okay. um, which has a 1080p sensor. Actually, I think it has a 4K sensor. Um, but, uh, you know, the cameras are pretty good. I mean, I've had the police come by a couple times saying, oh, yeah. hey, we noticed you have a doorbell there. Can we... Uh, can we take a look around, see what's been going on around your neighborhood? And uh, of course, Blimey. I have no problem. Rough yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while, <laughs> someone shoots a rock over this. that window. Um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. What interesting about, indeed. What about you, Stephen? With your, you've got a ring, right? Yep. Now, do you find you actually use it to talk to whoever's at the door? Because oh, all I the time. Nev- I never do anymore, and it's down to the connection. It's so ropey; it can take. It could take like 30 seconds to two minutes to actually connect. Um, but I've got the very first version oh, of well, the ring a, doorbell. You know, first mistake right there. We're up to three yeah. now. I know, no. So I don't want to be too hard on it because maybe that is just the, the, the old technology of my network. But um, I never use it. But it is really handy for getting notification when someone is at your door. And uh, you know, with it linked into the smart speakers, you know, they all go off and tell me someone's there and that. So Wouldn't it be great if your technology could just turn around to you and say, I'm sorry, Sean, I'm just too old to do this. <laughs> it's your, it's time Please to send upgrade. me to the landfill or whatever Amazon send me. Um, I have been looking at the ones. I've been looking at the Arlo's and all that because aside from just being a video doorbell, which is great, especially if you're blind or visually impaired because, you know, it it makes it you know who's there before you have have to open the door. But there is a subscription fee as well. If you want to save the video, see who was at your door, you know. I think they all have that though, don't they? I think the Arlo, doesn't that, I think that's a free service. 
the ones that have HomeKit uh, can use iCloud, um, whatever they call it, iCloud Video Storage, so you don't need to have a third-party service. I know Ring definitely has a subscription service. That's yeah. why I kind of opted out of it. Um, yeah. Arlo, I think they have their own, but depending if you use HomeKit or not. Um, I must admit, I do quite fancy the HomeKit one because that's that's the only other one I think I would go with. Is I like the idea of it connecting to through HomeKit to the TV and all of that. You know, that's one thing I can't do at the minute. You would have to use a Fire TV stick or a Fire TV cube or something like that, you know, in order to get the, the video up. And, and, you know, let's be honest. I mean, how many people... Well, or a show, yeah, I suppose you could use the show. But, I mean, who's sitting there with a Fire TV just, you know, in situ, just sitting there, you know, at, yeah. at the... Oh, now she's talking to me. That's nice. I'm not talking to you. Um, but Shut up, I said. Yeah. <laughs> Be quiet. Um, no, what's interesting is uh, because it's built into the whole Echo ecosystem as well. She's still talking. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, I don't know what she's... I'm probably talking to the front door as we speak. Someone is outside yeah, probably saying, probably. Hey, I've got a parcel for you. Do you want it? No? Right, okay. Um, stop telling me to be quiet. Uh, yeah, because it builds into the whole Echo ecosystem and I can just say talk to the front door from the Echo. Not necessarily the Echo show. That's the key thing. Uh, I don't find it particularly slow to to uh, connect. In fact, if anything, I'd say that's the quickest way to do it. The app is yeah. not great. The yeah. Ring app is not great. But you told me about the Rapid Ring app. That's a that's a really important hint. If you've got the Ring doorbell, get the Rapid Ring app um, because it's just it, it is much quicker to connect to the doorbell. So it does. Uh, the Ring app, I've got to say, is, from an accessibility point of view, it seems to have got clunkier and clunkier mm. over time. So many features now. That's the problem. There's yeah, so yeah, many maybe. things they've added on. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if you read about this, but uh, and this is a bit of a tenuous link, but we, uh, we're, we're going to read this story last week about Thunderbolt 5. Bandwidth will double to 80 gigabits per second, uh, Intel accidentally confirmed. Uh, future Macs apparently will benefit from Thunderbolt 5 bandwidth of 80 gigabits per second, according to a picture that was uh, released by an Intel exec and tweeted. Now, nobody is too surprised about this because uh, that was the intention, Uh, so fair enough. But, um, yeah, it is going to increase. But it did raise an interesting question, which uh, we wanted to get answered, and that is, if you're confused, as I often am, about USBs and what is USB 3, what is USB 4, what does it all mean? Well, we thought we'd send our Sean Priest about maybe three months ago to find out. (laughs) And finally, we get the answer. I'm not ashamed. I'll admit it. I am easily confused. I am basically baffled by a lot of things. But thankfully, I know I'm not alone. And I know I'm not alone because back when the iPhone 12 was released and Apple announced that it would be coming with a lightning to USB-C cable instead of the usual lightning to USB-A cable, people lost their minds. There was panic on the streets. Okay, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but it did show that there is a lot of confusion about the different types of USB that is out there. So let's go back to basics. Let's clear this up. This is the ABCs of USB. Hit it. Okay, so what actually is USB A, B and C? What does it mean? Well, to keep it simple, it refers to the different sizes and shapes of a USB connector, the socket or the plug. So let's start with USB A. Now this is currently what we think of as the standard when it comes to the USB connector. It's that small, thin rectangle, 12 by 4 millimeters, that you'll find on the side of your laptop, on the back of your computer, or the back of your TV, on your battery chargers, or the connection on your pen drive. USB-A is just everywhere, incredibly popular. And when most people think of USB, they think of a USB-A type connection. But of course, being technology, they had to change it. So, following on from USB-A, was, you guessed it, USB-B. The USB-B connection is square-shaped, and it was designed to be used with larger devices, such as printers. You might remember the USB-A to USB-B cables you used to connect your printer to your computer. 
Nowadays, you don't see USB-B very often at all, and it was soon superseded by, can you guess? Mm. Ha! Trick question! No, not USB-C, but USB-Mini. The USB Mini connector was far smaller than both the USB-A and B connectors and was used mainly on Sony products such as their smartphones or their cameras. Now, the reason for the change was that devices themselves were getting smaller. Manufacturers just couldn't fit a USB-A or B socket on a small device such as a Bluetooth headset or a thin smartphone, which actually leads us nicely to the next USB standard, which is... USB Micro, or Micro USB as it's more commonly known. Now this one is also incredibly popular. You will find it on absolutely everything. For a long time, it was the standard for Android phones. It's a very small, flat connector, and you can feel a Micro USB connector as it has two prongs or latches on the underneath side of the plug. Micro USB is pretty much the standard for connecting small devices. But one of the problems with micro USB is that it is a little bit fragile and can break quite easily. Anyway, all this leads up to the next USB standard, which is, of course, USB-C. A USB-C connector is very small, very similar in size to the lightning connector on an iPhone. So what exactly are the advantages of USB-C? Well, apart from the small size, Unlike the previous types of USB connection, you can plug in a USB-C cable in any orientation. There is no right way round. Plus, USB-C can handle more data a lot faster and also deliver more power than the previous USB types. It can actually handle up to 100 watts, meaning that you can charge a laptop or power a monitor using USB-C, which is something the other USB standards just can't handle. So there you have it. That's the evolution of USB. Now, of course, being technology, there is a little bit more to it than that. For example, there are standards of USB. There's USB 1, USB 2, USB 3, USB 3.1, USB 3.1 Gen 2, soon to be USB 4, there's Thunderbolt and also DisplayPort. Whew, there's a few. These standards or protocols determine how much data and how fast it can be transferred across a particular connection. For example, let's say you've got an old laptop or computer that does have USB-A sockets on it, but those sockets may only support the USB-1 standard, meaning that some devices just won't work with it. Whereas your newer laptop will also have USB type A sockets on it, but they support the USB-3 standard, meaning they're much faster. Anyway, I think that's enough for now. Let's leave that there. I hope that's cleared up some of the confusion. It's easy. Boring, but easy. And that's the ABCs of USB. Thank you, Sean. Stick around. Lots more to come on Double Tap Canada. We uh, leave you with uh, the feedback from this week next. Double Tap Canada will be back after this. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now, back to the show. Let's get to the emails in then and uh, quite a lot in this week, actually. Greg has been in touch. This one's for you, Mark. Uh, no complaints, he says this week. Uh, but he does want to let you know that one gigawatt hour equals... Oh. Uh, three five nine 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 seven one two zero 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 point zero zero millijoules. So basically, a small battery pack from Belkin. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's right. Uh, Angela gets in touch to say, Thanks, uh, Hi guys, uh, I was listening today and just wanted to see. I agree with some of the things that Sean was saying on the show. 
Guest! Hang on. Is that right? I, Mark, has my sight completely no, that's, gone? That's is that what correct. says things that Sean didn't say on the show. Oh, that's better. That, made, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the first one is those mechanical keyboards. It's uh, only I hate. It's the one thing I hate on my 2015 MacBook Pro. I uh, bought a keyboard cover to mask the sound. To well me, done. The only reason someone would want one of those keyboards is to make the sound important. The yep. other thing I agree with Sean about. Hang on, what is uh, the privacy? I always thought that, uh, that that was the same thing when people were blaming these products instead of looking at the way they are securing them. Yes, quite okay. correct. Well I'm, done. I'm with you on all of that. Uh, a different Greg gets in touch to say, uh, Greg from Quebec gets in touch to say, is there a tech item in your drawers that you're still holding on to? Bit personal, Greg. Uh, because you can't seem to part with it. Mine is the original iPod Shuffle. The one shaped like an oversized USB stick. Wow. It doesn't work anymore, but I keep it for sentimental reasons because it marked oh. my entrance into the Apple world. <laughs> I remember that. Um, okay, Mark, what's in your drawers this week? Uh, lots of <laughs> headphones. Uh, no, um, <laughs> in terms of old items that I sentimental value, um, my children? No, I, oh, I yeah. honestly can't think okay. of anything right now. Oh, I've got one straight away. I'm thinking it's not really an old one. Um, I do have my first ever. That band's going on a long time. My first you ever. Pay for it. <laughs> MP3 player, uh, which was again a lot like the um, the Apple iPod Shuffle, but uh, it was a generic twenty pound one. But uh, yeah, I still keep that. It doesn't work anymore. But also my Amazon Fire tablet. I keep thinking, you know what? I'm going to give this to someone because I never use it. But then. I don't know. I just keep it. I like Amazon. You don't even use the thing. Mind you, in saying that, I can't see anything. I've yeah, got cupboards on. full. How many have you got? I can't even. Uh, a tablet's probably about four. I honestly don't know. I, I don't use any of them. But it's it's interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. Probably I'd say my Sony Walkman. That's the one thing that I hold on to. That I don't think I'll ever really use again. But I do hold on to because it was my first Walkman. My dad got it for me. And I was just like, oh, I love this. And I, it was absolutely brilliant. Have you got any tapes? I got some. Do you know, I've actually got, I shouldn't say this to you guys because this is a really bad idea. Thankfully, you don't live nearby. Um, <laughs> but I actually have the original radio shows I used to do way back when. And even have tapes of me singing into a microphone when I was eight years old. Oh, those will never, that. they will never see the Email light. Email in if you want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. I don't care how many. I don't care about a hundred thousand emails. It ain't happening. Stephen, um, uh, I'll be at your door in five minutes. Okay, all right. I'll see you soon. Uh, that's it for the show this week. Thank you so much for being with us. Keep your feedback coming because you know we love to hear it, especially on this week's topics. I'm sure you have lots to say. Get in touch, and we'll catch you again next time. Mark, Sean, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, and keep your feedback coming. Call 1-844-971-1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at Double Tap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time.